on to the fourth quarter comeback. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, along with Red Zone Rick. Rick, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Ready to get it going. Let's go. All right, that's what I like to hear. You can follow us, please, on social media. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Six Pack Pat with the number six. You can follow the show at Four QC Show, and you can follow Rick at Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone for all your Pick delights. There you go. Today we're going to be looking at the Chiefs and the Rams, the Titans and the Pats, Le'Veon Bell not showing up to work, some NFC power, and of course our power ranking. Let's get it started with a Week 11 preview, the big Monday Night Football showdown. We have the LA Rams hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, a battle of 9-1 Goliaths, both of them leading their conferences. The Rams are going to be hosting, but it's going to be in a different environment than originally thought. It was supposed to be a Mexico City game, but unfortunately, after a lot of weather, concerts, soccer games, a lot of different variables, that field is torn to shit. So they are moving the game to L.A. due to poor field conditions. Rick, how does that affect the game? Is it going to be a big advantage for the Rams selling those tickets to season ticket holders on short notice while the Chiefs fans are stuck with Mexican vacations now? And will that make any difference on the field? What do you got? No, I don't think it's going to play too much of a big difference. We're talking about two high-powered offenses out here. This is going to be a great game, Pat. You got these two teams coming into the game who are in the top three in points per game, total points, Total yards, passing yards, and first downs in the league. Okay, top three we're talking about. The only statistical category that there's a third place person is, or a third place team is, the Rams in passing yards with 3,032. All right, everything else they're just one and two straight down the line. So this is going to be a great game. It's going to be a high scoring game. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs average 35 points a game, while the Rams are averaging 33 points a game. Okay. It's going to be a barn burner, and I'm looking for a shootout. Get ready. Strap up. This one's going the distance. I agree, Rick. The stats are definitely in both of these teams' favor. They're huge, high-powered offenses. It's working out very well on field for both of them. Sean McVay has his offense running on all cylinders. We have Andy Reid getting Pat Mahomes off to a ridiculous start. He is had an insane first half of the season throwing for over 30 touchdowns so far now the Chiefs defense is actually starting to step up and that's going to be the major difference because while I see the Chiefs defense starting to play up to the offense's level I see the Rams defense start to kind of slip off I do admit your Fowler pick he has done a little bit better last week he had some stupid penalties which I was chalking up in my favor but then he had that big strip sack late in the game, which falls into your favor. I don't like how the Rams secondary has been playing. I feel like they're giving up way too many big plays. Both defenses have fallen off tremendously. They're very low. They're ranked on average in the 20s or below in most, if not all, defensive stat categories. So I don't love what's happening there on defense, and I feel that's a bigger impact on the Rams. With that pass rush and that secondary, you would think they'd be getting more done, and I just don't see it. Side note, they've been training in Colorado to get themselves ready for the altitude of Mexico City, so I wonder how that's going to play with them playing the home game in L.A. They basically have to travel back 
to their home now to host the Chiefs. So I think maybe the extra day will help them out a little bit. They've been training in the altitude. I don't know how that's going to affect them, if at all. But I look forward to it, Rick. It's going to be one hell of a game. I feel like this could be the highest scoring game of the year, which it doesn't. That has a lot of big competition this season. So I look forward to seeing who is the number two team behind the Saints. Because right now I still have the Saints, but the Chiefs and Rams, this is a potential Super Bowl preview. Next up, we have the now 5-4 Tennessee Titans taking down former Titans of the NFL. That is the New England Patriots, who now sit at 7-3 after a 34-10 loss to Mike Vrabel, former New England Patriot linebacker. Rick, I loved watching this game, if nothing else, as somewhat of a Patriot hater, but I just enjoyed seeing Someone switching up the game plan on Belichick and the Patriots, and they were simply not able to respond. Normally, the shoe's on the other foot, but this time, Vrabel, the Titans, that defense, they took it to them. The Titans were crushing the Patriots' run game. They came out the box, and they were crushing them. They were only giving up one yard to the running backs on first downs almost every series. So with them stifling the run game, Wesley Woodyard, he was all over the place. Defensive player of the week, he was crushing it. I loved how he played. And Adoree Jackson was looking like a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback out there covering Josh Gordon. It seemed like they were almost forcing the ball to Josh Gordon at this point. Do you agree with that? I think so, just a little bit. I guess they want to just get him in the mix, you know, especially with Gronk being out. And I think that Brady is starting to show signs of missing Gronk on the field, and they're just trying to get him another viable option out there. I think this was a bad loss for the Patriots, especially Tom Brady. Um, it's been uh, three weeks now, and he's only had one touchdown. So it's, I'm not saying that he's looking <laughs> well, bad. When, when they're rushing you and you're basically so scared you're just falling over in the backfield. Like he Did, did you see a few of those where he <laughs> just decided to crumble down? Like he fell over. He did the old Looking Peyton at the Manning. refs, you know, he's, he's just looking for a call now. Yeah, so. He's the Vladi Divas of the NFL, that's for sure. <laughs> I like that. The Vladi Divas. <laughs> like I said before, though, I think that this was a real bad loss for the Patriots. It shows uh, that they're definitely vulnerable if you know if you can catch on to the game plan as shown by Matt Patricia earlier in the season and now Mike Vrabel, two uh, former assistant coaches that are very familiar with the Patriots scheme and were able to put a stop to it pretty good. If you if you look back at the tape, this was decisive. And I think it's also something to say for Tennessee's defense. I think we're underestimating Tennessee's defense just a little bit this season. They look good out there, and, you know, this Sunday they showed it. Absolutely agree. I could not agree more. Really, the difference is a lot of people think you can just blitz the Patriots. That's not the answer. The thing is this. You have to make sure you're shutting down Brady's main outlet. This week especially, that was Josh Gordon. They were forcing him the ball as much as they could. Brady was missing a lot of throws. But a lot of that was because of the safety coverage coming down off of the box, picking up from Adoree Jackson. They were releasing perfectly. They had beautiful coverage pretty much all of the game. But really, you have to disguise your rush. That's the main thing to beat the Patriots. It's not just all-out blitzing. It's disguising your blitzing to actually confuse the linemen and bring that blitzer off the edge or up the middle if you can. It really fucks with Brady's head. 
I look forward to seeing what both teams can do going forward. I think the Titans actually have a legitimate shot, an outside shot, but they do have a chance at the wild card. The Pats, they're going to sit comfortably. They're going to get their AFC East title with their side of Margaritas, like poolside or whatever the hell they do. They're just going to relax until the playoffs. They're going to pick up at least 10 wins, and they're just going to do what they do. Come playoff time, that's when it's going to be exciting. And I wouldn't mind seeing this rematch come playoff time. Next up, Rick, we have Le'Veon Bell. The saga does not continue. It is finally over. Le'Veon Bell did not report by 4 p.m. Tuesday. His season is over. He is more than likely no longer a Steeler. We'll have to wait and see where he continues his career next year in free agency. For now, though, Funny enough story, apparently a bunch of Steelers players, after practice, finding out that he did not report, decided to raid Le'Veon Bell's locker and started taking stuff out of there. Steelers are clearly moving on without Le'Veon Bell, and that's perfectly fine. They have James Conner, who has 1,158 all-purpose yards, 11 touchdowns, which actually ties Le'Veon Bell's best touchdown mark. So, really, the question kind of becomes, was Le'Veon Bell actually overrated because of this offense? We say this all the time, or at least I do, that Brady is more system quarterback and Belichick gets a lot of the hype and the credit for what's going on in New England. Is Le'Veon Bell as talented as he clearly is? Is Le'Veon Bell a bit overhyped? Because you have James Conner coming in, they plug him in, and he's already matching, if not besting, Bell's prime numbers. What do you think about James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, how the Steelers are trending? Are they up or are they down? Rick, what do you think? I think James Conner has done extremely well in place of Le'Veon Bell. He certainly shut me up when, in the beginning of the season, we spoke about this briefly, and I told you that... uh. You know, I thought that Le'Veon still added a different dimension. Obviously, that's not the the case anymore. I think James Conner has found his place in this offense. And quite frankly, I don't think the Steelers really minded either way, you know, except for maybe the higher ups and how it would affect, you know, maybe trading him later on or the transition tag here or there, wherever that may be, you know, except for that, you know, that it affecting that part of the, the Steelers organization. I don't think the Steelers are going to miss a beat with him gone. So I look forward to the Steelers going forward the way they've been doing. You know, the last five games, they're 5-0. and They're averaging 35 points a game. All right. They scored 177 total points while only giving up 93 points on defense. I think that all of this success, though, is not owed, you know, to James Conner because we've seen Bell do the same thing. I think that this stretch that we're seeing right now with the Steelers is definitely doing big parts of Big Ben. In the last five games, Pat, check these stats out. He's thrown for 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's throwing for 300 yards a game, and he's got games up where he's got five against the Panthers. He threw five touchdowns, no interceptions. The week before that, he threw two touchdowns, no interceptions. Roethlisberger's on fire, and I think that that's the reason that the Steelers have are 5-0 and in their last five. Oh, absolutely. And he has been on fire in prime time. I don't have the numbers exactly on me, but he has insane numbers when he is in prime time games, as he was last week with Carolina. 
Unfortunately for him, his his game against the Raiders in primetime got flexed out. So he's not going to be, but I have a feeling he's still going to put up numbers there. Roethlisberger, when the lights are on brightest, he shows up to work. He's tired of all the bullshit. He wants to move forward. He still has most of his main weapons, and he sees Connor as another extension of that. He's not a, he's not a killer bee, but he might as well be because he is putting up bell-like numbers. Roethlisberger believes, and he's showing it in his stats and his performance. I agree. Roethlisberger's on fire. Now they're not the three Bs. Now they're the BBC. It's absolutely the fact of James Conner carrying this offense and helping with huge efforts on the running game. It's not like he's benefiting from a lack of defensive gains because opposing defenses are stacking the box with eight or more players over 30% of snaps when he is on the field. That's pretty crazy to me. They are trying to stop him, and he is one of the best in the league with yards after contact and yards after catch. I look forward to the Steelers trending upwards. They're definitely going to win their division in my mind, and they are a major threat in the playoffs, unless they have to play the Patriots, in which case I think they'll just get bitched out because that tends to happen. All right, Rick, next up we have NFC East. Who do we think is going to pull it out? We've talked about this at the quarter season mark, and we're going to revisit it because this division is up for grabs. As usual, right now, the Redskins stand atop the division at 6-3, and three, a healthy two-game lead, but we all know that they are not the strongest of ships. They are pretty damn shaky. The Cowboys are at 4-5, and five, coming off of a big victory against the Eagles the other night. The Eagles are right below them at 4-5 and as well, with the Giants obviously trailing. At 2-7, and though, they finally got a big victory against the 49ers. Eli really feeling himself this week. He's, He's feeling strong, you know, until he goes back to doofus mode. And then they realize they wasted their chance and they're going to have to trade all those picks to the Raiders to get Justin Herbert at number one. Rick, my pick before was the Cowboys. Obviously, things changed afterwards with the Amari Cooper trade. They traded the number one pick to the Raiders. So as a Raider fan, I want the Cowboys to finish last. I know that's not likely with the Giants in that division, but I do want them to fail miserably and get a top 10 pick. Problem is, I do not see that happening. I do see the Cowboys still as a prohibitive favorite. I like Dak still. I feel like when he has the right game plan set in motion, he can execute. He can make the throws when he's when he's running. He's getting out of the pocket. He's changing things up behind the offensive line when they're playing their best. And most importantly, when you have Zeke running the ball, they finally figured out, hey, Hand Zeke the ball, keep handing Zeke the ball, hand Zeke the ball a little bit more. That hungry motherfucker is going to get to the end zone early and often. Zeke is their workhorse. Amari Cooper, not necessarily saying he's worth the first all the way, but in my mind he is just for this sense of he's a number one receiver for them. I love how he's playing. They're clearly building a lot of chemistry very early on in that relationship. Problem is, they're 1-4 on the road, so unless that changes very quickly, 
I don't see them winning the division because that is a deadly stat that you cannot combat. I still like the Cowboys. An interesting fact about the NFC East, though, four of the bottom five teams in the NFC in scoring are all four of the NFC East teams. How about that? Except for the Arizona Cardinals at rock bottom, the next four lowest scoring teams are the NFC East. On the other side of the coin, three of the top four teams in points allowed are NFC East teams. So they're not scoring, but they're good defensive teams as far as points go. Dallas is number one. That's also why Dallas is my choice. I feel like none of their offenses are clicking well enough. Zeke will click well enough, and the defense for Dallas will step up just enough to, unfortunately, for me, the Raider fan, they will win the division. Rick, who is your NFC East champion? I'm going to roll with the Dallas Cowboys as well. I think they finally figured it out. Like you said, after last game, they ran Zeke Wild, and I think that they're going to stick with the game plan. And their defense is really tough. You know, like you said, they're first in total points allowed, and I think that they do a great job at getting to the passer, and that's usually what wins games later on in the season is, you know, a pass rush. So I think Dallas is poised to make a run right now. I I just don't see anything out of Washington that I like. You know, they're 6-3 and three right now, and I think that their defense is pretty good, but they got a couple of injuries now, and they're a little banged up. And I'm looking for the Dallas Cowboys to capitalize on that. I think Philly's still suffering from their uh, Super Bowl hangover because they're just not looking good right now. And I think that they're missing Jay Ajayi, and they're also missing Darren Sproles. You know, those two guys opened it up for them a little bit, and I think you can see the struggles right now. So I'm looking for Dallas to come by and pull this out. All right, finally jumping on that bandwagon, listening to me. And we both agree Dallas is the way to go in the NFC East. Let's hope we're wrong for my sake. The next NFC division that we have here, Rick, is the NFC North. We have the Bears sitting at 6-3, and three, the Vikings at 5-3-1, and one, the Packers at 4-4-1, four, four and, and the Lions at 3-6. and six. Rick, who is winning the NFC North and why? I'm going to go with the Bears. <laughs> of course. I just think that... Uh... Matt Nagy's got them playing, man. You know, Risky Trubisky's out there, man. He's looking good. I'm liking what I see from him, you know. I think the Bears have a great defense, you know, and uh, I think that that's what's keeping them afloat right now. Like I said before, Trubisky's playing really, really well right now. He's looking like he can be a great pro in the NFL. Connecting um, with Allen Robinson. He's missed, he's missed a couple throws here and there, you know, that you would like to see him make, you know what I'm saying, before you can actually say he's going to be one of the more elite quarterbacks in the NFL down the road. But he's looking good. He's looking like he's not a bust anymore, you know. He, it was looking bad for him for a little while. But, um, yeah, you know, Packers are suffering a lot of injuries. We all know what Detroit is. Um, Minnesota, as much as I would like to pick Minnesota here, they're just too up and down for me, and I blame that on Kirk Cousins. You know, I, I don't like Kirk Cousins. I, I don't know what it is. I just don't like yeah, the guy. Probably because he turned down the Jets' $80 billion. In uh, I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I agree. I, I'm i not really a big Trubisky guy, though. 
I just don't have a ton of faith in him. I don't buy into him. I believe his legs are definitely getting the job done for him. He's moving all around. He's getting out of the pocket, and that's where he's making a lot of his big throws. So I think for now, for a year or two, while he's still young, he's going to be able to get it. He's going to be able to work it out with his legs. But I don't think in the long run that's going to make as big of an impact and his arm's not going to be solid enough. But that's down the road. That's career-wise. This year, he is building a good enough rapport with his receivers and especially Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield. That is the special secret sauce of Chicago. Obviously, Mack is back. He is leading that defense. That's why they're 6-3. and three. They have a 94-point differential, which is pretty damn insane. That means they are scoring the points, and their defense is elite this season, or at least as good as elite can get this year. Obviously, you know, like I said in the NFC East, it's just the same for me. God, do I want the Bears to lose and be terrible because the Raiders get their draft picks. Amazing how many teams I can say this about. Thank you, John Gruden. That said... The Vikings at 5-3-1, I like them a lot. They can easily jump ahead right here when they beat the Bears this coming week. So the Vikings have some big matchups, one against the Bears and two against the Packers in the coming two weeks. They're well-rested, coming off a bye. I do like Cousins enough because his connection with Thielen and Diggs is fucking real. That is legit. Like Thielen is a top five wide receiver in this league. He is no joke. He's not to be taken lightly anymore. Thielen is the man right now. I do like the Vikings. I still want to push for the Packers though. Is it just this ridiculous love I have for Aaron Rodgers that refuses to make me think that they could miss the playoffs? Maybe I feel like he could drive them all the way to the division lead, but them being 4-0-1 at home and 0-4 on the road, that is not a recipe for success. They're going to have to pick up a couple of wins on the road if they want to have any hope to get this done. Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, a few of those road games are going to be big division games against the Bears and the Vikings. And then an easy treat later in the season against the Jets, actually. So, I like the Packers' chance. They can pick up three huge road wins. I'm going to stay out on the limb. I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going to stick with them. At least for now, I'm going to ride it out. I think the Packers come from behind. They're not too far from behind because they do have the tiebreaker right now with the Bears. I like the Packers, still. So I'm going to pick them for the NFC North. That was silence, ladies and gentlemen. That was the people picking the uh, Detroit Lions to win the division. All right, Rick, here we go. We're going to talk the top trio in the NFL today. There are a lot of different options out there, and there are a lot of different qualifiers, but we are going to narrow this down to plain and simple the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio. Rick, who do you have? I'm going to go with the top trio, who's the only trio in the top five in their respective statistical category. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 
who has 3,150 yards passing and 31 touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, who has 754 yards rushing, seven rushing touchdowns, and six receiving touchdowns. And Tyreek Hill, who has 891 receiving yards and nine touchdowns on the most explosive offense in the NFL. There can't be any, any, there can't be anyone else. You said in the NFL today, we're talking about today, right now, this moment. Today, right now, this moment, I can disagree with you, and I can say the top trio by far and for sure comes from the number one team in the league, the 8-1 New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, with 2,600 yards, 21 touchdowns, and one, one interception. A 123.8 rating this year. How about Michael Thomas at receiver? 950 yards and 7 touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, 546 rushing yards. 473 receiving yards. 14 total touchdowns. I'm sorry, I like the Chiefs. And if this was a top quad argument, or however the hell you want to say it, I would possibly give you the Chiefs in Mahomes, Hunt, Hill, and Kelsey. That I would have to agree. But if we're just going with with trios, I would have to say Breeze, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, they are definitely the number one trio in the league. (sighs) That said, there are plenty of other groupings out there i'd love to definitely see how it pans out for the rest of the season and you can also make a lot of different little exceptions here like if you take the running back out of the equation what about cousins Thielen, and Diggs? they really are a special quarterback receiving trio you don't see that a lot with two receivers on the same team Gurley, obviously the best back in the league so he has to carry the load here but goff and cooks are no slouch i like them And don't forget BBC. That's what I'm saying. I was about to say the BBC. Nobody forgets the BBC. Big Ben, Antonio Brown, James Conner, they are a legitimate trio with the potential to be the best in the league. And I got to say, one of them that I really wasn't thinking about early on, but really kind of caught my eye, and is probably the most underrated by far trio nobody thinks about, Philip Rivers. Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon. Ooh. Nobody gives them credit, but that that. is one of, if not the most devastating trios in the league. They actually might be my number two. Next up, we have the fourth quarter comeback fantasy by Incel. This week, I only have a couple for you, but they should be good for your long run going into the playoff home stretch. I like Dante Moncrief. He put up 98 touchdowns. 98 touchdowns would be impressive. He put up 98 yards receiving and a touchdown in Week 10. He's been averaging 7-plus targets consistently over the past few weeks, except for the week that the Jags decided not to show up against the Dallas Cowboys. So Dante Moncrief, he is a solid stash on your bench for a good wide receiver 3 flex play going forward. Next up, I have Jalen Samuels, Pittsburgh running back. Why would you not buy the handcuff to the ultimate handcuff? Le'Veon Bell, old news, gone. James Conner, possibly having some issues with concussions. He was in and out of last week's game. 
He's had a long enough time to recover where he is more than likely going to play this week after coming out of the concussion protocol, but I do like Jalen Samuels to even vulture a few goal line touchdowns here and there. Jalen Samuels, a really good pickup to stash on your bench. Look for Jalen Samuels to be good. James Conner insurance, just in case Conner's deals with concussions going down the stretch and has to, and they have to protect him. I like Jalen Samuels as a fantasy buy. For fantasy sell, I like to get rid of James White. Burkhead is back. He's not that big of a presence, but he is some kind of a presence, and he will vulture carries and catches here and there. Sony Michelle is also back, and despite what anybody wants to think, as much as James White is a solid player for the Patriots, they clearly see that Michelle was drafted to be more of the workhorse on that team. He has proven that he can be, and while they will protect him from himself a little bit this year, he is still going to be the main focus in the backfield going forward. So the carries, the catches, they're just not going to be there as much as James White has become accustomed to and James White owners have become accustomed to. So I think now would be a good time if your trade deadline is still open to be able to dump him for some good assets, especially to a Patriot fan. You might be able to get a really good return, especially in a bundle play. So package him, get back a big player for James White. His best days, I believe, are behind him. Those are our fourth quarter comeback fantasy buy and sells of the week. We hope that everything is working out for you. Any advice that you are taking has worked out perfectly and you are on the fast track to your fantasy playoffs. And now we have our fourth quarter comeback power rankings of the week. Rick, we saw a lot of big moves and a lot of big plays happen this week. There were a lot of games, a couple of upsets, and I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw so much that my list has taken quite a bit of a shake-up this week. I will start us off at number five. Number five is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like the Steelers. I like the clarity they have now. They now do not have to worry about that angry cloud floating over their facilities for far too long, the Steelers do not have to worry about Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell any longer. No more hostages. Omar Epps looking at the team saying, I'm the captain now. He has taken over. I love what the Steelers are doing. They are 3-0-1 on the road. They are performing very well. 6-2-1 overall. I just like the Steelers. I think they have a very legitimate chance to win going forward. They're going to win their division. They are my number five team. Rick, who is your number five? Could it possibly be the team that my number five team kicked their ass last week? Are the Carolina Panthers still your number five team? Nope, not this week. All right. This week, my number five team is the Chargers. I picked the Chargers number five because although they're seven to two, which is what everyone sees, I don't see any real... uh, Real hand behind those wins, if you get what I'm saying. I so, do. I'm I'm gonna roll with the Chargers at five because of the record. They've been looking good. I'm not saying they're a bad team. I just got to see a little more. So, by default, right now, they're my number five team because of the record. My number four team this week, Pat, might surprise you a little bit. It's the gonna Carolina be the Carolina Panthers. No, no. It's actually the team that beat the Carolina Panthers, fifty-two to. 21. Oh, wow. All right. It's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
I got the Pittsburgh Steelers at four because they're, quite frankly, looking like the Steelers of old. They're looking like the Steelers that we know, you know, a, a perennial championship contender right now. Credit to Mike Tomlin again, man, for getting this thing under wraps, controlling, you know, getting it under control and getting past the Le'Veon saga and look where they're at now. They're looking like they're poised to make a run again. So that's my number four team, Pat. Who's your number four team? My number four team is your number five team, the Chargers. They were my former number five team, but I moved them up a slot. I like what they're doing and great news on the Charger front. Unfortunate news is they probably have they've lost Denzel Perriman, star inside linebacker, I believe for the rest of the season. But the good news is Joey Bosa getting cleared to start going back to practice. That's going to be a huge move. He's a top five defensive lineman in this league. He's going to make a huge difference for the L.A. Chargers going forward. I got to say, at 7-2, and two, yes, they're not the most overwhelming team. They're not, they're not showing it off on offense like all the other top five teams have been doing. I agree with you on that. But their offense is still one hell of a team. That just goes to show you what I said in the last segment, how true that is. Everybody overlooks that Rivers-Allen-Gordon combo. Austin Eckler as a backup running back. He's one of the best backups in the league. These guys know how to get it done on offense. They really do produce a lot of points, just not as much as some of the top point scorers in the league this year. The Rams, the Saints, the Chiefs, those types of guys, they're putting up ridiculous inflated numbers this year. And that's just a product of the league and their offensive mindset. You got to realize the Chargers are coming out with a defensive mindset, and their 186 points against are by far the best in the top five right now of the teams. So while they may not put up the most on offense, they're also probably the best overall defense with points scored in the top five of our power rankings. So I do like the Chargers at number four. They still, to me, have the inside track. I still believe in them to sneak up, steal the AFC West, steal home field, and get to the Super Bowl. Number three are their future bunkmates, the LA Rams. Sitting in 9-1, and one, the Rams are still a juggernaut. But that's right, I have dropped the Rams down to number three in my power rankings. I looked at it this week, and I said, you know what? They're playing the Seahawks again. Okay, we know this is going to be a tough one. They could lose this game. We watched the game. It came down to the end. I really thought Seattle was actually going to pull it out. But, man, it was a close, hard-fought division win by the Rams, and I figured I had to balance that out in my head. I said, how important is this? Shouldn't that count as a positive? that they won a hard-fought division win. Yes, it is a positive, but it's not enough of a positive in my mind to show off that they're going through a lot of issues right now. Their defense is giving up too many points, too many yards. It's not good. The secondary is lapsing, and they need to find an answer to that quick, or the bleeding will continue, and it will become an unsalvageable wound on the Rams' season. I do not like how the Rams' defense is playing on the back end right now, and they have lost Cooper Cup officially now for the rest of the season. That's a huge blow to the offense. They're going to be able to shut Woods down a lot more now. They're going to be able to cover him up, and that leaves Cooks. Cooks is a very good receiver, 
but they're going to be able to bracket him, and then it all comes down to Gurley. Gurley's the best back in the league. He's going to be able to get it done. How far can they go, though? That's a huge question. All these questions amount to the Rams dropping back one more spot this week to number three. Rick, who's your number three team? I have the Los Angeles Rams at number three as well. Like you said, Pat, you know, Cooper Cup going down, that's big. That's a big injury right there. Their defense hasn't been performing up to standards, like you said before, earlier. You know, for the for the people that they have on that defensive line, they really should be getting to the pass a little more. And it's a little concerning right now at this point. Losing I can't I can't stress enough how much losing Cooper Cup means. That is such a big blow. Like well, you I said, get it. he was their best receiver to, in, in regards to being able to move him all around the field and put him in different disguise schemes and all that kind of stuff. They had all kinds of game plans that went around Cooper Cup that was disguised with the running game as well. Cooks, he's their best talented receiver, and he's going to be able to get stretch the field. But Cup was just their best. Uh, let's see, he was their best utility knife. One hundred percent, and I think that him going down is going to leave such a gaping hole in this offense. They're losing that go-to guy, you know, that that third and short, you know what I'm saying, that always make that grab on third down guy. Um, this is going to be tough. The Rams are still good enough to make a push, all right? Can they overcome Cooper Cup's injury? I don't know. I really don't know. That's one of the main reasons why they dropped down from number one because I thought they had one of the best rosters from top to bottom. You know I swore by it. I kept them at one even when they lost to the Saints because I felt like they still had the best roster. Now they just lost one of those big pieces. So they dropped from number one down to three on my list. Hopefully they don't drop anymore. I hope to see the Rams continue. And I hope to see them make a deep run in the playoffs. They're an exciting team to watch. But this is a big blow. Coming in at number two, I'm going to have the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Kansas City Chiefs are just... One of the most fun teams to watch in the league right now. Pat Mahomes lighting it up. They got the best trio in my mind in the <laughs> NFL right now. They're all lighting it up. All three cylinders. Andy Reid, offensive genius. Can't say enough for him. The defense is coming alive a little bit with that pass rush. D Ford is looking like an animal. So the Chiefs are looking really, really tough. If that defense could just step it up just a little bit more, the Chiefs are going to be a really, really tough out. Good luck. I do agree with you there, Rick. Number two team is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are 9-1. They're the number one scoring offense in the league. They are as dynamic as it comes in the NFL these days. Pat Mahomes, he's protecting the ball still very well. He has a hell of a deep ball, and they know how to utilize it with deep threats like Kelsey and Hill. Hill, he's a next-level type of receiver, too. You know, a lot of people, it's taken a long time for people to notice Tyreek Hill, how good he can be at stretching the field. I honestly don't know if he's not the fastest guy in pads in the league, but when you watch him, it sure seems that way. There's going to be a huge matchup this Monday night, Rams and Chiefs, that's going to affect for sure the number two and number three teams, how we have them both ranked. Look forward to that next week to see how our rankings change at the two and three spots. 
but I think we can both agree that the number one spot goes to the best team in the league, and that is the 8-1, 5-0 on the road. Record-setting Drew Brees quarterback playing double-headed dragon Michael Thomas killing it. New Orleans Saints, they are my Super Bowl favorites. They are the number one team in this league. They have improved their defense steadily week to week by on-field play and by front office front office moves. I love what they're doing on offense. There's just no two ways about it. The Saints are the best team in football right now. They're undefeated since week one after a shameful loss against the Bucks. It's magic, a huge fluke. The Saints are the best team in the league. Rick, why do you agree with me? Because just like you said, the Saints are tearing it up, all right? They've gotten better than they were last year. They were great last year. This two-headed monster that they have in the backfield is really going to pay dividends down the road. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball in the playoffs. They stopped the run, so that's going to bode well for them in the playoffs. They beat the best team in the league already, in my mind, when they beat the Rams. So there's just right now nothing stopping the Saints. I don't see anybody stopping the Saints right now. This offense looks amazing. They look like a well-oiled machine. You you wouldn't think that an offense could work this good. <laughs> That's how it looks out there. Scored on nine consecutive possessions. Come on. And speaking of well-oiled machines, that is the end of this episode of the Fourth Quarter Comeback. We thank you very much for joining us. Please give us a follow, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a five-star, give us everything you can possibly give us to help us get the word out, to build the show, to grow this thing from the ground up. We appreciate it more than you could ever know. You can follow the show on Twitter, at 4QC Show. You can also follow them on their Facebook page. You can follow me, at Six Pack Pat with the number six. You can follow Rick at... Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone. Look for Rick's picks on Saturday. He has been crushing it this season. All that said, we hope you enjoy the show. We hope you enjoy the games. Have a great weekend, everybody. And now time for our parting shot. I would absolutely take an offensive lineman as a receiver over the bumbling, disgraceful mess that is Tom Brady at a stumbling wide receiver. Tom Brady's a terrible wide receiver, ladies and gentlemen. Good night!